Hello and welcome to Renewing Hope Church in Oceanside, California, where our mission is to love God with all our heart, soul, and mind, and to love our neighbor as ourself. We pray that this episode will both challenge and encourage you to love more. And now, here's today's episode. So last week we talked about looking at revival and love believes all things. And if you want to think of love believes all things as being like the forest, like looking at the forest and seeing hope for like a dead forest, like could this forest ever come back to life? And so we, looked, we talked about revival and what revival is and wanting revival for our society. And there's these great revivals that we've seen in American history and in European history, which have literally like changed society. Um, and we've had small recent ones, like there was one in Pensacola, Florida, uh, but the big ones are what are called the Great Awakening. So there was one in the mid-1700s and one in the mid-1800s, and it literally like changed society. And so what we're believing is for another revival. Um, but how does revival change society? Revival changes society one person at a time. So that's what we're going to look at uh, today. So if love believes all things is to think of like, the, the forest, then love hopes all things, is to think of the individual tree or the individual person, to think the best for that one person. So let me just pray for us. Father, um, open your word to us and open your heart to us. Let us see how you see. Let us feel how you feel. Let us love how you love. Um, help us to hope for the best in every one of our fellow human beings, no matter how hopeless they may seem at the time. Let us never lose hope in ourselves and in each other. In Jesus' name, amen. So we are in the middle of 1 Corinthians 13, which is about the gift of love. And for those of you who've been to a wedding, uh, they always quote this section of scripture because it's all the great things about love, obviously. Uh, but it's in the middle of all these spiritual gifts, like speaking in tongues and prophecy and all this other stuff. So in the context of this chapter, Paul is talking about the greatest gift which is love. So just like you want to ask God for faith and you want to ask God for healing for someone who's sick, you want to ask God for love. Uh, faith and I were talking about this before the service, how she's been asking for the gift of love and it's helped her, her co-workers who can drive her crazy, I'm sure. Uh, God is giving her a heart of love for these people and she's seeing answered prayer. So this comes, so what we've been looking at is 1 Corinthians 13, 7 which says, love bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things. So today we're going to focus on hopes all things, and then next week we'll finish this series on endures all things. Um, so the phrase hopes all things could be translated, love always expects and anticipates the best in others and the best for others. Um, it's easy to lose hope when things aren't going well in our own lives. And personally, I've had two times in my life where even as a Christian, I lost hope. Uh, one of those times was when it was in eighth grade. And one of those times is about like eight, nine years ago where I got to a place in, in just circumstance where I, I had lost hope. I knew that God loved me in my brain, but I didn't feel it in my heart. And, and so I, I struggled. And during one of those times in eighth grade, I'll never forget my favorite teacher story, if you guys all have a favorite teacher. So um, 
came to Jesus in seventh grade, blew out my ACL uh, right before eighth grade, had just moved to a new town, didn't know anybody, lost all my sports, my parents were going through stuff, and I started getting picked on at school, and I was really depressed and suicidal, and I I started to lose hope, I didn't want to live. I I literally would come home and tell my mom every day, like, I want to die, I I don't want to be alive anymore. And of course, my, my grades started to slip because I wasn't doing well, and um, my eighth grade English teacher, Mrs. O'Donnell, one time walks up to me as I'm working on stuff, and she comes up on my right ear, and she whispers into my ear, and she goes, you're not fooling me. She goes, I know you're smarter than this, and you've just given up. Don't give up. You can do this. And she just spoke this hope into my heart that, like, I turned my, I think I was at, like, a D minus or an F at the time, and I turned it into an A at the end of the year just because Mrs. O'Donnell saw in me the potential to do really good. And I want to remind you that Jesus sees the best in each and every one of you and what you can become. And so what we're going to look at today is just like um, last week we talked about Nineveh, the the greatest revival in biblical history outside of Israel was this town called Nineveh. And everyone knows about Jonah and the whale, but that's not the greatest miracle that Jonah lived in a whale for three days. The greatest miracle is that he went and preached to a town of anywhere from probably 600,000 to a million, and they all repented. That's the real miracle of the story of Jonah. So today we're going to look at the individual person and for God wanting the best for all of us. And the example we're going to give is the story of Peter. Uh, John 1.41, and I'm going to read out of the NIV because it's got a word that I like in there. The first thing Andrew did was to find his brother Simon and tell him, we have found the Messiah, that is the Christ. Christ is not Jesus' last name, that's a title, it means the anointed one. It's Messiah in Hebrew, it's Christ in Greek. And he brought him to Jesus. Jesus looked at him and said, you are Simon, son of John. You will be called Cephas, which is translated Peter. So Cephas is the Aramaic and Peter is the Greek. You are Simon, you will be Peter. That's a radical statement. So he's seeing this guy, right, who's just walked up to him and they just met. And he says this profound statement. You are Simon now, you're going to be Peter. Guy doesn't know what he's talking about. Okay, Messiah's already talking futuristic prophecies about me and what does this look like? So who was Simon? We're just going to look at some of the characteristics of this guy's life and just look at his history. Um, So who was Simon? He was from Galilee, and he was married. We know this because Jesus healed his mother-in-law. So a lot of the disciples did not have wives, but Peter did. So it's interesting. That's an interesting fact, I think, that, you know, a lot of times I think that we think when God calls us, it would be so much easier if we were all single and didn't have any responsibility. But I remind you that some of the greatest people who God moved through in the Bible were married, Moses being one of them, Peter being one of them. Um, so God can use you, whether you're single or married, God can use you. There's no limitation on what he can do. So uh, Peter was married. Peter was a fisherman. That's an interesting job. Like that's a, that's a, if you guys have ever hung out, my, my cousin's a tugboat captain. And when you say the phrase, cuss like a sailor, oh, it's very accurate. Like this is a rough crowd. They deal in rough waters. They, they deal with a lot of stuff. So this is like a very, you know, blue-collar, hands-on job that these guys aren't, you know, 
They're rough, but they're, they're hard workers. Uh, Simon wasn't a Pharisee. That, to me, is really, really interesting. So Jesus, when he picked his 12, he didn't pick from the religious school. He didn't go to seminary. He did not pick a single person of his disciples from the religious school who were... Those guys, I mean, if you were going to pick somebody, Pharisees, so you guys know, they had the first five books of Moses, I think, memorized by the time they were 13. That alone is incredible. Like, to have that much knowledge of the Bible, you'd think, like, they would be the perfect person to bring into your crew. The only Pharisee that God chose was Paul, and it took him way longer to retrain him than it did the the disciples. So the fact that we think, like, I'm just a, you know, I've said that for, for, for years, like, I'm just a pizza guy, you know, I'm a pizza manager like God can't use me I'm just a pizza guy and it's like well God can use anybody look what he did with Peter Uh, Peter was one of the first disciples so that's pretty cool like so James um, sorry Andrew uh, Peter's brother and John were most likely the first two disciples and then they went and got their brothers so we see them following John the Baptist and then and then John pronounces Jesus as the Messiah and the Lamb of God and then they go start following Jesus, And they had all this interaction with Jesus. So when Jesus gets to them at the boats and says, follow me, that's not like the first time that Jesus had met them. There was like a buildup to that. Um, Interesting enough that Peter is the only disciple that Satan asked for by name. Jesus says, Peter, Satan has asked to take you out. That's interesting to me. This guy had such a zeal for God that even Satan's scared of him. And he's like, can I get rid of that guy? Like, you know. Um, which is really interesting. Peter is the only disciple to walk on water with Jesus. All the other guys were in the boat with Peter. None of them, none of them took the chance, right? They all said, Peter's like, I'm going in. And obviously he sinks because he saw the waves, but he still got to walk on water and no one else did. That's pretty cool on your resume. Like, I walked on water with Jesus. Um, was part of Jesus' inner circle of three. So there's a couple things that Jesus does. We're having a crowd of 12 guys, and then they had extra disciples, and there were women who administered to Jesus, and he had a pretty big crew of people that was his like main crew, and then he had all these other people following him. Um, so wherever Jesus went, there was a massive crowd. So when he had something to do where he could only bring a couple people, he would bring three people, which was Peter, James, and John. And James and John were brothers and most likely cousins of Jesus. So Peter was in the inner circle. Even though Andrew found Jesus first, it was Peter who became one of this inner three um, and got to see Jesus transfigured on the mount. So when Jesus showed who he really was and he turned into white light and Moses and Elijah show up, they're like, whoa, and they got to see him who he really was. And he's like, you can't tell anybody about this until I'm raised from the dead. Peter got to see that. Um, When Jesus was arrested, now everyone gives Peter a hard time about denying Jesus, but I just want to remind you that Peter was trying really hard. So when when Jesus was arrested, only Simon and John followed Jesus. All the other guys ran. So they were trying, and and, and John didn't deny Jesus, but Peter did. So Simon failed Jesus by denying him three times. But after Jesus rose from the dead, he appeared to Simon alone before he appeared to the other disciples. That 
to me is very, very special. Like this, this guy, right? This fisherman, he's just a fisherman. And he's just, he's taken on this like incredible honor of being this like the premier apostle and disciple of Jesus. Simon truly became Peter at Pentecost. So this is when you, I mean, Jesus says you're going to become Peter, right? But we really see the effect when the Holy Spirit falls on the church in power. Everyone gets the gift of tongues. And then Peter stands up and think about this, guys. I mean, I'm now giving a sermon at a church. and I'm you know, preaching. The first sermon ever given by the church ever was Peter. That's what an honor. Like, this guy was the very first guy to proclaim the gospel as the, the new birthed church, which was born on Pentecost. And what's really cool is our church was born on Pentecost. So every Pentecost, this will be our one-year uh, birthday coming up uh, on Pentecost, but we get to celebrate with the rest of the church every Pentecost. Peter gave the first sermon of the church, and then God used Peter to bring the Holy Spirit to the Jews in Acts 2 to the Samaritans in Acts 8, and to the Gentiles in Acts 10. Now, we don't know what a Samaritan is, but they're basically half Jewish, half not Jewish. They're, they're like half-breed. So they weren't considered pure Jews, so they were ostracized by the pure Jews. But it's, you see this interesting pattern where God's starting in his family, and he's going outward. And every step of that, Peter was right there in the midst of it. So God used Peter to bring the Holy Spirit to all the different classes of people uh, in Acts. The church was actually run by James, John, and Peter. And this isn't James, the brother of John. This is James, the half-brother of Jesus. So you can see this in Acts when there's a dispute about stuff. It's these three guys who ran the church. Uh, the Catholic Church thinks that Peter was the main guy, but actually it looks most likely that James, the half-brother of Jesus, actually had more, um, possibly more authority than Peter. We don't know 100% for sure. But Paul um, called out Peter publicly for being a hypocrite with his Jewish practices with Gentiles and, and, and uh, Jews. And Paul never would have done that if he was on this like higher level of authority. So that kind of tells you that they were all similar in position and authority. Peter's ministry, this is so interesting to me. Peter's ministry was to the Jews as Paul's was to the Gentiles. Now, I love this about God, that if you were going to pick like who God would use to minister to the religious Jews who knew everything about the Bible, you'd think God would use Paul. Because he's the Pharisee, and he knows everything about the Bible just like them. And Peter's the fisherman, working class, regular you know, guy. And you'd think, like, oh, God will use him to, to minister to non-Jewish people because he can relate to them better. And God did the opposite. So Paul became the guide to the non-Jews, and Peter became the witness to the Jews, which is really interesting to me how God picks us for different ministries. And he will pick us for things that we never would have picked Right. Uh, so Peter was crucified upside down um, in honor of Jesus. So it, it, it's so interesting. And that's when you read at the end of John. So John is writing his gospel after Peter was killed. And he's, that's why when Jesus says someone will take you where you did not desire. And he says this is how Peter would die. He knew because Peter had died when John wrote the gospel of John. So let me ask you a question. How did Simon become Peter. 
Three simple things. By following, by obeying, and by spending time with Jesus. That's it. Like, I know a lot of times at church, it's a big, like, hoorah message. Like, if you strive hard enough and you do all this stuff, and I said this last week, like, how does a branch grow fruit? It just plugs into the tree, and that's it. It's no stress. Jesus' burden is light, and his yoke is easy. So it's really easy as a pastor to kind of like, well, and there's times where you got to give it your all. Like, if you're struggling in areas, like, it's like intervention time. Like, come on, man, you got to, like, get up early and do the right thing. And, you know, we've all, we've all needed a good kick in the pants at times. Uh, like, Miss O'Donnell walking up to me and whispering in my ear, like, you're not fooling me. Like, you got to work harder at this. So we all need that at times. But I think when it comes to becoming who Jesus sees in all of us, right, the, the key to that isn't, like, Oh, if I do all these things and I go to seminary and I study all this stuff, it's like, obviously, you need to read your Bible. You need to pray. But you need to just surround yourself with Jesus all the time in your mind. That's what praying without ceasing means. It doesn't mean like you're constantly praying. It means you're bringing Jesus into every conversation. You're thinking and talking to Jesus as you're, you're meeting people so you can pray for people in your mind as you're talking to them. You're inviting Jesus into every room of your heart. So if you like to surf, take Jesus surfing with you. If you like to play golf, play golf with Jesus. At work, I mean, Jesus should be an open door with every aspect of our lives. And if we ever close Jesus off to anything in our life, that's where danger comes. That's why Jesus says, nothing done in the dark is good. You've got to expose everything, right, into the light. Before you can have hope for others, though, you have to have hope for yourself. And I can say this personally. So a lot of times also in church, we like to say, like, you need to go out and preach the gospel. But there's a time sometimes where we just need to get healthy. And I always look at Jesus, and he spent most of his life just getting ready for ministry, not actually ministering. Um, So Simon had to become Peter before Pentecost. He wasn't ready. Right. So there's a process. And sometimes I'll never forget God telling me specifically, I don't want you in ministry right now because I want you taking care of your family and just spending time with me because I wasn't ready yet. I was not ready to be in ministry. So a great example is when you go on an airplane, they tell you you got to put the oxygen mask on yourself right before you can put it on your child. And this is great wisdom. So we need to find hope in Jesus first before we can give it away. Because how can we tell people that Jesus is the hope of the world if we really don't believe it? And, and sometimes that takes counseling. Sometimes that takes just seeking things out. Um, for me, it took a lot of like seeking God, going to a counselor, uh, reading books, all these things where God took a couple years when I was really seeking him to get that Jesus loves me here to get it to here. And once I felt it, I was like, oh, there it is. And it was the most amazing thing. So don't give up, which is what we'll talk about next week, which is love endures all things. So this next picture is a picture of Jesus talking to Peter. And when Jesus walked up to Peter and said, Follow me and I'll make you fishers of men. They had, specifically Peter, had no idea what was ahead of him when Jesus said that. He had no idea that that he's just fishing. I'm just a fisherman. I don't do anything special. Like, God couldn't use me, right? And that guy 
gave the first sermon of the church. That guy brought the Holy Spirit to every class of people. That guy became this pillar. We still read his, his books in the Bible to this day, and we talk about him, and he's a great example. But what's great about Peter is he failed, and it was recorded. Like, his failure was recorded, and I think it's really easy when God calls you to think, like, God calls me to be perfect. And so if you stumble, which means you fall down, you just get back up and you keep pursuing Jesus because there's no win. Like when, because we all know it. Like when you sin, you just feel horrible and you feel ashamed and you're like, I don't want to be anywhere near the cross. I'm just going to go hide. And it's like, that's where Satan really gets us. So God is always like, God knew you were going to do that before he invented you. So think about God saying, okay, come to me, confess your sin, say you're sorry. And like the woman caught in adultery, go and sin no more and pursue Jesus. And just like you do when you go to a new job, you always make a lot of mistakes in a new job when you first take on that job. And it's the same thing when we, when we serve the boss. That's what Lord means, the boss, right? So when we serve the boss, we're all going to make mistakes. And then we just get back up and we keep showing up to work. You don't just quit and run the other way. You got to keep showing up. Peter had no idea who he was going to become when Jesus called him, but Jesus did. I love that. So in every single one of you, regardless of where you're at right now, Jesus sees you, if you'll let him, becoming an incredible part of his story. And that's what's so awesome is that we all individually get to be a part of this incredible story of the gospel and the kingdom of God. And I can't wait personally to see what God's going to do through the people in this church because already seeing fruit and life and, and it's just awesome. Now there's a process in that because we're all at different spots in life and some of us are super stoked on God and some of us are angry at God. Some of us are shameful. Some of us have questions and it's okay. I think that's the thing is like the idea that we just like a just like with humans, not everyone is just born like a 30-year-old person and we're just like, okay, I'm ready to go. Like there's these stages that we all have to go through in life to get to where God wants us. And if we're still crawling in certain areas, that's okay. So what does Jesus say to you? Follow me and I will make you dot, 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 right? Like what, what is God, if you would give God your heart, your mind, your soul and fully just say like, we were singing it with the, with the new wine song, make me whatever you want me to be. This idea that, that, God, if I follow you and I do what you say and you tell me to do stuff that might be uncomfortable or weird or awkward, but I'll just, you, Father knows best. So if we will do what he says and submit our lives to God, what can he do with us? And, that, and that's the fun part is we all get to find out in this life, as long as God allows us to be here. And how do you do that? And I, I'm going to end with this point, which is you've got to let God be God, which is, a, which is a, a very weird thing to say because the idea that we let God be God, like the most powerful person, oh, I'll let you be God. But it's the first commandment of the Ten Commandments is having no other gods before God. Right. So in our heart, all of us have a throne of like, this is the thing that like tells me what to do. And I put it the highest place. And if anything is there except for God, you're in trouble, which is why the number two commandment is don't put anything in place of God, an idol, 
We don't bow down to idols in America. We, we do it with our hobbies and our, you know, our passions. Or, but if we allow God to be God in our lives and put him at the top, then anything is possible, and that's where we can see the greatest growth. And so as God calls you to follow him, what is, that's going to look different for everybody in here, but I think it's really exciting to think of what God can do through each and every one of you if you fully submit your heart and your mind to God and say, I'm yours. And the hard side of this on the other side is in this earth, we have other options. I mean, let's be honest. You don't have to follow God now, right? You can go do other stuff. You can go follow Buddha or you can go follow a career. You can do all this other stuff. But I just want to remind you that everything going on in this life is like made and sustained by God. So if you don't choose God, you're basically, it's like, it's like not wanting to pay your electric bill, which has gotten so expensive lately. But if you don't, you know, if you're into computers and stuff and video games and all this stuff and you're like, yeah, but I'm, you know, I'm not into SDG&E. It's not working for me. It's like, well, how's that going to work out for you? Because they cut off the power and then you can't do anything. And we've all lost power at our house. You, you forget how much you're dependent upon electricity until it shuts off. And you're like, oh, no, nothing works. Um, and it's the same with God that we forget with God that everything is sustained by him. So the food that we're going to eat after this is he, he made food. And the, the warm feelings you get when someone hugs you is like, that all comes from God. So we just re- need to remember that God is God. And if we don't choose him, we're literally getting rid of the, f- the foundation and the source of all life. And that's unfortunately what hell is. Hell is just, you wanted nothing to do with me, so here's a place where I'm removed from, where my love and joy and peace is not there. And it's getting what we asked for. I used to put this verse on my phone when I was in my period of like, like I couldn't think that God loved me here. It was only in my brain. And I, and I had to, every time I turned on my phone, I saw this verse, which is Jeremiah 29, 11. For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans for welfare and not for evil, to give you a future and a hope. Then you will call upon me and come and pray to me, and I will hear you. You will seek me and find me when you seek me with all of your heart. Let's pray. Father God, you see the best in us, God. You hope for the best. You want the best. And not only can we have forgiveness of sins, God, and a new heart, but we can also have a new destiny, a new purpose, a new goal, and a new adventure, honestly, God. If we will submit our hearts and minds and souls to you, you can do things with us that we never imagined. God, you can use every single person in this church to change people's lives, to be a part of the solution and not part of the problem. So I pray for anyone in this church, God, who's struggling with hope, who's struggling with who they are in your eyes, who sees their future as not going so well as opposed to being awesome. I pray that you would renew the hope of every person in this church, that you would help them to see how much you love them, And that they would become who you've called them to be by following you, by obeying you, 
and by simply just hanging out with you. So bless this time, Father, and the rest of this service. Bless the worship, and thank you for it tonight. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for tuning in to Renewing Hope Church. May God's love for you renew your hope today, and may his face shine upon you and give you peace. If you need prayer or would like to reach out to us, you can do so at our website, renewinghope.church. Until next time, 